Like us on facebook.com slash sinmedia. Follow us on Twitter at sinmedia. And come visit us at syn.org.au. I was really interested in the opening ceremony for the Jaja Rung. I think because Aboriginal culture is obviously a really important part of Australia. Like, you know, they're the traditional owners of our land. And I think it's really important to learn a lot more about their culture. I was really fascinated going to the um, cultural pharmacy um, where everything was pretty much just made out of cardboard and that when you um, actually arrived there they had people interacting with you and you would help make artwork. I thought that was a really cool idea. I've really loved editing the packages that we've put together and I feel like the behind the scenes stuff is a lot of fun to work on. Um, I've enjoyed the smoking ceremony because it gave us a chance to be part of their culture and yeah. Um, my favourite thing was probably the Lee Derrick exhibit at the Dudley House because it was very pretty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the scarves are so cool though, like it's so personal. It's not like, you know, you usually go somewhere and they give you like crappy stationery with like the logo on it, but you get like a handmade scarf and it's like, wow, you actually care about me. <laughs> Irene Verens is the Manager of Mental Wellbeing at Vic Health. She talked about Creative Tonic and the positive impact arts have on health. We wanted to discuss the way that art helps us belong as young people. I'm Meg from Bendigo Southeast College and um, personally I like to draw because I, it's a way that I can kind of go into my own little world and draw whatever I want depending on like how I'm feeling or what I like and it's really good. I personally, I play the piano and sing and with that it's helped me bond with a lot of the music kids in the school. Sewing and art has kind of been like an outlet for me as well as like I've also used it to build friendships and relationships with people at school and other people in my life as well like family friends. Irene Behrens said that there were two groups that are affected by loneliness. The first are old people 75 and older but young people are equally as affected 16 to 25 year olds which is us and I think social media has a lot to do with it. I don't think that social media can actually like you know bring anybody more comfort because it's just like it's online. People base their self-worth off of how many followers they have. I know people who literally like obsess over who has more followers than they do, but they're all online, like they're not real. And it's like, I don't think you should base your self-worth off of people who don't truly know you. Like I use social media as a way to share what I'm doing, not as a way to like build bonds or to create relationships that aren't there. Yeah, and like you have all these friends on Facebook, but how many do you actually talk to in real life? How many do you know? Because most of my followers are just like friends of friends of friends. Like I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's not like you can have thousands of followers, but how many friends do you really have in real life? You know, how many people? How many of those people do you really connect with? You yeah. know, how many people would actually care whether or not you were like a part of their life or not? Yeah, no, back, you're back to kindergarten with the nursery teacher goes, that's lovely, irrespective of what you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> back to the good old days. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to go back and have that for 10 minutes. A lot of this seems as though it's kind of the idea of going back to roots, so the, going back to having this theme here, going back to old Bendigo and having well, yes. this appreciation feeling important and the arts and craft going back to kindergarten yes. feeling so at least what I feel is that this happiness and joy and culture stems a lot from how we grew up 
back a lot from when we were kids. I think so. Yeah. You know, I think so. And, and, and you know, I think that's what you have to take into culture. I don't know, Wolf, you're so much younger than me, but I feel like culture, uh, society is at a point of flux. We don't know what to do with new technology. And when I go into a museum, even me, I'm not quite certain what I'm not quite certain what I'm doing there anymore. It's like the museums were all built for a different time, yeah. and they have a different aesthetic. And somehow we have to. I don't know. I think so much of culture now is is about making a fertile place in your mind to explore it. Yeah, because it's so everywhere now and nowhere at the same time. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. It, just, yeah it seems like society's got to a point where we have everything yes. we could dream of, yes. but we don't know how to use it or yes. in what way we've lost its meaning, we've lost the reason behind why it was developed. Yeah, yeah you said it better than I did. Uh, happiness comes back, comes to, comes from, sorry, just these childhood uh, joys, mm-hmm. especially like my age, I'm sure adults feel the same, like just joy, the most joy comes from reliving childhood memories, just being a kid again. Did you have a little moment, I did the first time I did it, where, where they put this two-dimensional piece of cardboard in front of you, and then you bend it, you go, oh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bad yeah, bad I think that was one of our little kindergarten things, where we would try and bend a little bit of paper into various shapes, and makes it, yeah, absolutely. Makes it cold. Yeah, I think, yeah. One of those, yeah, I think, you know, making and Crafting is just one of those childhood joys and yeah. something that everyone can enjoy. Everyone can have fun with, no matter what. It's just in who we are. Yes. It's so, such a worthwhile idea to bring into Bend like the idea of you know, culture isn't something you go buy. Uh, joy or something isn't something that you go buy. It's something you experience. Yes, even through. It's something you have to maybe add to. Yeah, something you make, something that takes a lot of hard work. It's not something that you can just go out and buy, achieve immediately. You've got to work hard at it. Um, And I think that's absolutely This is amazing. Absolutely Ah. brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Very kind. Thank you. So we came and watched the ceremony and it was really good to watch. So what does the ceremony mean? So for the Jaja Wurrung, ceremony is about uh, recreating rituals in some form. So what you've seen today was an example of us using our language uh, and, and then explaining what our language means to people in English and, and doing some of our song and our dance to share with people that we see as visitors to our country to make them feel welcome. So really that's what it's about, a form of celebration. That's really wonderful. And what do you think about Artlands allowing you to present this? Do you think that this is a good thing and that this kind of stuff should happen at the events in Bendigo? Yeah, the Jaja, what I'm going to, a lot of people don't realise, have actually got a, a recognition settlement agreement with the state of Victoria um, so the Jar Jar as a people have ended in an agreement actually with the state. So it's outside of elected forms of government. So the Artland in itself, when they developed this conference, realised, well, they couldn't do it without involving and incorporating the, the Jar Jar So we were resourced to be able to improve our capacity and capability 
to do things to a certain standard you would expect in a conference? I think that this whole ceremony is very good to raise awareness and stuff and let people be part of your culture because you like this is your land and stuff and I think it's really awesome of you guys letting us be part of that and sharing that with us so thank you so much for that. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about the game? Well, we're building a game, a cultural survival game, and it's a, a, like a simulation. So we want to make it re- a real serious game. So as a genre, we're calling it cultural survival game. And in that, it's like an RPG, a role-playing game, but it's culturally and it's authentic and it's real. So in the game, you're like a young kipper with no knowledge, and your task is to learn all the skills to survive in the land. That means speaking to the elders moving through, avoiding dangers, um, you, you get hurt, you could get tired, you can get cold, you can get thirsty, you get hungry, you've got to work out how do you survive in the land. And what we've done is we set it in a time before settlement. So we're respecting the connection of First Nations people wherever this game's set. So the task is survive, live, uh, prosper. But you're going to find if you're not careful and you're not wise and you haven't listened to what you've been told there'll be harm happening to you. You know, you might find that, uh, you know, you get bitten by a snake or attacked by an echidna, or you might drink bad water, not knowing that, you know, where do you get fresh water from? There's a lot of stories in this, and that's, and that's basically our game. Now, we wanna, we've got that working in single player, but we want to make it multiplayer, so we want other people to work with you. So we want to see a, a community in that space, and we want to have a, um, a sharing in that space. Being a high school student, I find that Aboriginal culture and history is something that isn't pushed and really taught in school. Have you ever thought of doing workshops or classes in schools and showing your cultural survival game? I did a big workshop um, about uh, six weeks ago up with a girls' school in Toowoomba and they weren't sure what they were going to get or what was going to happen, but then once they got in... Once they got in there, even the most recalcitrant girls, because there's some that just don't like this sort of stuff, really embraced it. And that was really made me proud. So um, I think we can turn people around to be lovers of uh, code and lovers of culture. And in schools, that's where you've got to do it. How does collaboration benefit community wellbeing? Oh, my goodness. Well, um I think we think that um, collaboration in art and cultural programs really benefits people because it brings often communities together that don't normally spend time together. Um, so it finds new ways to have new conversations um, amongst people and um, it offers a way for people to become a bit more in charge of their own kind of destiny and their own power and you know be able to make decisions about the kinds of arts and culture that they would like to see and be involved with and even initiate and, and make themselves. So um, it's really great for communities to be able to have that kind of sense of power and, and actively um, get involved in things um, that are driven by them and what they want and need in the place that they live. Yeah, it's a very empowering kind of way of looking at things. Yeah. You mentioned also in your keynote, Treasure handed down, this term transformational change. And I'm interested to know what that means to you, I guess, in in the various works that you do and the projects that you're committing to. Well, one of the really valuable things that I've been working on communicating better is the Indigenous ways and 
of knowing and being and understanding each other and understanding our connection to place because obviously with the massive degradation of the environment that's going on and the um, phenomenal social inequity that's not just in New Zealand but you know worldwide for Indigenous peoples we could be doing a hell of a lot better and also just to kind of reprioritize what it is that we spend our lives on I feel like a lot of the time we're epitomizing that being super busy is being the best thing that you can be and that gets people completely exhausted you end up on a treadmill that's pretty disconnected to your environment and often really disconnected to your families when I'm sitting within an indigenous kind of space those connections to family and uh, that our lives are a part of the environment so you can imagine the transformation if we were all able to operate in that way just to slow down a little bit more and connect with people and connect with our places and That would be the transformational change, obviously, that I'd see. So during your presentation, there was a slide of some very interesting artwork. Was there a reason you chose bleach in the posters? Well, that artwork was called The Daily Diminish. And so I collaborated with Julie Montgarrett and together we captured 168 comments of everyday sexist things that women have had said to them. And so it was really fascinating for us. It was, you know, a range of different things like um, she's past it or she's a scheming witch or you look like a prostitute or your son's education is more important than uh, your daughter's or when are you having children? Have you finished having children? Just the girlfriend? Um, Are you packing your bikini? Um, You should wear a pretty top. You should smile. So all of those different kinds of comments that are said to people and they seem quite minor and quite mild but actually what they do is really um, undermine your sense of legitimacy and so one of the reasons why we used bleach on cloth is because traditionally within art women's art was textiles work so they were excluded from being amazing painters or sculptors so they were trained and disciplined in textiles work and so it was really um, trying to think about those historical relationships and obviously bleach is tied to a domestic space and so it just seemed really obvious that we should use toilet bleach to burn those words into cloth. Yeah that's a really unique way of presenting your opinions and views. What are the pressures that you think feminists face today in our society? Well, I guess in Australia, I think about um, political pressures. I think about, uh, I guess, obviously there's politicians and the way that they implement the law. Obviously, there are things like the Fair Work Agreement and there are non-anti-discrimination laws. But I also think it's about their rhetoric as well and about who they let into their inner circle. And if you even think about Julia Gillard and the misogyny that was directed at her when she was prime minister, it was quite intense. And so I think within those political systems of power, it still is a very patriarchal boys club context that everybody's working within then if you kind of take it down to a social level I then think uh, pressures are 
really fundamental that stretch back thousands of years where women have been placed in a secondary position and they have been fighting all of these different um, oppressions that have been placed on them over time. And so I think it's just trying to renegotiate and reimagine the way that people think about living and being in the world. So I see just that historical context as really a continuing legacy of patriarchal power. Thank you so much for coming to talk with us and offering your opinions and your perspectives and your ideas to us. I think it's uh, a really worthwhile experience to try and spread to, especially to young people. This has been Andy, Kim and Caitlin from Bendigo Southeast at the Outlands Festival. Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land, the House of Sin and Studios Stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country.